out. Thank you so much for visiting Faith Church uh, here on Easter Sunday as we get ready to celebrate together. I'm sure we'll have a few more pull up. This is just like a regular Sunday now. we got people, I, I can't tell if you're late to the Facebook live. So uh, it's, it's, we'll sure we'll have a few more filter in as we go along. And since we live in Pownall, I'm sure there'll be like 15 ATVs that are going to drive past here in about 10 minutes or so. So if there's some ATVs, just we'll have to deal with that too. So, right? so we'll keep rolling. Uh, just a big thanks to everybody who joined us last week. I know we had, shoot, like over a thousand views last week, which was great. Um, again, not because we want to be about, you know, how many people watch, but about how many people hear the good news of Christ. And so thank you. For Pray that the response this week is Easter Sunday. If on Facebook Live, then make sure that you share this with people. Everybody knows what's going on here at Faith Church. If you don't have a church home, or especially if you're unchurched, we want you to be here this morning with us. Uh, if you can't be with us physically, to be with us virtually on Facebook Live this morning, uh, and again, watching us over on YouTube when this reposts later. So again, thank you for joining us this morning. All right, you got a few more filtering in like I thought. Excellent. So everybody had a good time this week so far? Here at the, okay, great. Yeah, people who are here, you can kind of, if you can yell out enough, you can talk to me. That's <laughs> all right. Hey, hey, some more folks. Good morning. All right. Miss Dawn is also in the back still. She's helping me out with the Facebook live stream. So she'll be doing stuff and moderating comments and doing whatever she can. Uh, to help move this along too there. So if you're joining us there, you make sure to check that out. She's helping to make sure welcome everybody as we're joining us. So thank you again. All right. So before we jump into the message, because it's going to be, I want to kind of get to the meat and potatoes of why we're here, right? Before we jump into that, I want to make sure we continue to offer ways to give. There's some awesome ministry going on in our church right now. I'm super excited about so many different ways that we're being uh, a blessing to those around us in this community. Yesterday, we dropped off six uh, Easter in a box boxes to families across uh, to Eagle Bridge, New York, <laughs> but four went to Pownall and then uh, one went to Bennington as well. So Easter boxes that went out to families across the county in this area, in this tri-state area that were able to be a blessing to somebody. That's just one way we also had uh, or having opportunity to build and, and create and fashion masks for people who are in need. So the veterans home, the nursing homes in the area, uh, all those individuals who are in need of some, some face coverings, we're in the process of getting that set up and ordering the materials. So uh, people like Miss Jan and Miss Lisa, who are excellent seamstresses, they can do they do so many awesome things uh, with their hands that they can uh, be a blessing to be able to uh, help somebody get a covering, face covering that needs them. And so we're hoping we can put out dozens, if not hundreds, of these masks uh, for everybody that needs them in this community and. Uh, Matter of fact, Miss Lisa made an awesome one up for me last uh, yesterday. A faith church mask. I don't have it with me. It's in my van, but I made a faith church mask for me. So uh, if you want a custom one, you had to talk to her. We'll have to get some more t-shirts or something because she cut those up to help me out with that. So, uh, but it's awesome to know that we're still working together as a church to be able to meet the needs in this community because that's what it's about. It's about having the compassion and joy that we carry in Christ and have it overflow into the lives of others around us. And that's everything that we do should drive us forward is proclaiming that message of hope and of peace and of resurrection, like we're talking about this morning, of how we give that out to others. And so we want to make sure we give you the opportunity this morning to share, uh, to give into that ministry as we look to give it out. So uh, if you want to give this week, you can give physically if you're driving up this morning. We encourage that. We'll make sure that you have a place to, to drop it off here. 
Uh, also, if you'd like to give online, make sure you go to faithchurchvt.com backslash give, and that will be a way for you to be able to give uh, to our ministry there. There's two different ways to do that. One is the COVID-19 relief fund, which is all monies go directly towards purchasing supplies for masks or uh, helping uh, meet a financial need in the community. So that will help directly for those affected by COVID-19. Also, the general tithes and offerings that you give will also help fund that as well. So it's kind of a dual effort to, to help get as much relief and help and assistance out there as we possibly can to be able to meet somebody's need in our community. So I encourage you to give. So go online at faithchurchvt backslash, uh, com backslash give or give physically, give however you, uh, is easy enough for you to give. We want to make sure that you get that option. Uh, also, if you're in need of assistance, so if you want help or know somebody who needs some help, have them email at faithchurchvt.com, uh, or excuse me, faithchurchvt at gmail.com, or call the church at 802-823-7828. That's 802-823-7828. And that will leave a message, and we'll get back to you to be able to help out as much as we possibly can. All right, now we got that out of the way. Again, welcome to Easter Sunday, right, church? Woo! Woo! All right. We got some awesome, those are some fantastic bubbles going on. Those are great. Man, those are really good. Those are better than anything I could do. Perfect. Yeah, bubbles coming from all directions. We're here to celebrate Easter this morning, right? Resurrection Sunday, right? So uh, we uh, celebrated a little bit yesterday. We'll keep the party going today, not only with church, but I'm sure you've got big events planned, or I hope you do, have big events planned for your families as you're ready to get out and uh, celebrate together, whatever it is you do. We got a ham that's cooking in the oven right now, all right? So I'm ready to eat some ham and whatever she's got fixed up. My wife does a great job with that. So I hope you get to eat well. I hope you get to celebrate well. I hope you get to, to party today as we're talking about this morning being the pinnacle celebration, right? For those who follow Jesus, this is it. This is the Super Bowl of church, right? This is what we're here for, I pray anyway, because it's Resurrection Day. Every part of the certain hope that we carry as believers here today, we have this as its foundation. That's why we're celebrating. We can get up every day. We can face the challenges of head, right? Miss Miranda talking about going to Meals on Wheels and helping out. We can do that day after day. We can even face death itself because we know that Jesus got up from death, that very first Resurrection Sunday. That's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves this morning, we need to know why we're celebrating, right? We have to kind of go back in the story a little bit. I always like to do that to make sure we understand the context. <laughs> Just to say Jesus got it from the dead is good, but what did that mean, right? What, did, what in the world is that about? Who, what does that make a difference in our lives, right? What makes today so special? Now, I hope you've been following up on Facebook this week. If you haven't, go back and watch those videos. Church has been doing great stuff, guys. I mean, the, the, all of you who are here have been, uh, most of you have been participating in that and at least watching them or, or helping do the videos. That is awesome to be able to see so many people jumping in and reading a part of the story of Jesus' life that last week. And so I want to thank you for doing that, and I hope you have a chance to catch up with that if you haven't got to watch them already. So I want to kind of recap just briefly, because last Sunday we were here, and it was all about Jesus the King entering in on the donkey, right? And the city gave him a triumphal entry. And everybody was treating him as a hero of the people. And he was coming in and he was going to overthrow the Romans and overthrow the, the people in the, in the uh, political and social and religious elite. And they were just going to toss it all out and they were going to start fresh and be a new nation again, right? But during the week, something happened that they didn't expect. Jesus didn't come to overthrow Romans. <laughs> he didn't come to overthrow uh, the religious elite, not in the way they had thought about anyway. 
He was there to overthrow the very source of all oppression, not just political oppression. He was there to overthrow the sin that we carry inside of us. Now, I want to make sure we clarify what that is because everybody, I think, has a general understanding of what sin is, but I want to make sure we know, right? It's, it's not only the bad things we do, which I think we kind of got an understanding of that, but it's more so than that. It's also the making of good things into the ultimate things in our lives. It's the seeking to establish our identity by making something else more central to our significance, our purpose, and our happiness than God and our relationship to Him. For example, if the ultimate good in my life is being a good parent, and I value that in my life above all things, then I'm living with a sin that has the potential to be just as damaging as stealing. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, how does that even make sense? Because if my chief value in my, in, my, in my life is my family, I will do whatever it takes, whatever it takes, to put my family above all things, even at the expense of your family, and maybe even at the expense of my own family, to get what I need out of that. If my value is to do that, that's what I'm going to put first and foremost. I'm going to seek to get what I need out of that. And we play this out in every facet of our lives, right? If my chief value is my race, my economic status, my country, my political party, then I will have the tendency to demean, put down, uh, oppress all those who look, think, and act differently than me. In doing so, what happens is we perpetuate the hurt and the suffering and the abuse and the corruption that plagues this world. Not only that, but in placing the ultimate value in things other than God, we not only hurt others, we hurt ourselves because we create this inherent instability that we can't maintain in our lives. Because if I value my career above all else and then I lose my job, what am I worth? If I value money most but make less this year than last, am I worth less? If I place my security and value in those I love the most, if my chief desire is to need them and be needed by them, Above all things, what happens when they walk away and they don't need me anymore? You see, sin is a liar that tells us that we can find our purpose, our worth, our meaning for life outside of our maker. And sin is a robber that steals from us the ability to live the way we were created to live by separating us from the only one who truly understands what we're worth. Our suffering exists in that separation. It's that separation that prevents us from living as we're made to live. It's what prevents us from, from having the joy that we are created to have. It's what continues to make us agents of suffering instead of bringers of hope and joy. That temporal separation from God that sin creates while we're here ultimately leads to death and separation from Him eternally and from the ones we love. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, meaning both a physical and a spiritual death. We are separated forever. It's a removal from the very presence of God, a permanent exile from the very source of life. It's a bit hard to imagine, as we have a car go by, <laughs> it's a bit hard to imagine what that might be like, but it's a necessary exercise, I think. Imagine all the things that make you smile, right? Whatever that may be. Maybe it's the, the bubbles this morning. Maybe it's the gifts that maybe you got yesterday or the gifts you're going to receive today if you give out gifts. Maybe it's that food that you're going to eat that's so good 
I'm going to enjoy every bit of that ham this morning or this afternoon when I get that. Whatever it is, imagine all the things that make you smile, that give you peace, that give you joy, that give you comfort. Now imagine all those things ripped away. Imagine living your life with all this left over. Imagine living your life with the bitterness, the anger, the spite, the depression. Now imagine living that day after day after day with no end. That's what hell is. It's an eternal, everlasting separation from God who alone is the source of all beauty, creativity, and love. That's hell on earth. And there are millions, if not billions of people around the world that live that out day after day after day. Christianity alone, among all those who claim a spiritual truth, makes the claim that the problem can't be solved within us or by us, but can only be solved by a loving God who stepped down into our pain, into our suffering, into our oppression, our grief, and our weakness, by a God who knows our sins and yet still elected to come take them on, to pay our price, to conquer death and bring life. God became a man named Jesus to do just that. Jesus will spend the last week of his life challenging the religious and political elite in Jerusalem, and he warned his followers that the time for payment for their sin and for ours, his death on a cross, was coming. After a final meal Thursday, he left to ask God to pray for anybody else to have to do what he was going to do. But in the end, he said, no, I'm going to go through with it. He was resolved to be obedient, to go through with a death that awaited him. Early in the morning on Friday, as we just celebrated Good Friday two days ago, he was betrayed by a follower of his, of his named Judas, brought before the authorities convicted on trumped-up charges without a fair trial and sentenced to death by crucifixion. Now, before his death that afternoon, before he even had to get to the cross, he was scourged by Roman soldiers. And we had to make sure we understand what that means, right? So the scourge was a whip with several thongs. This was a nasty, nasty piece of torture. Each thong was loaded with balls of lead and sharp pieces of bone. And he was stripped down, he was tied to a post, and he was lashed over and over and over again. Each stroke cut into the flesh until his very veins were exposed. In some cases, the scourging would result in pieces of the whip, knocking out eyes or teeth. And often prisoners would die just from that event. They beat Jesus within an inch of his life that morning. After even that event, where most of us would say, that's enough, he was led to Golgotha, the place of the skull, carrying the very instrument of his death, the cross. It was one of the most feared deaths of the day. It was slow and excruciating death by suffocation. It took hours, typically, to die by. It was one of the worst deaths one could possibly experience. Once they arrived to the hill, they drove nails through his palms and his feet, and they suspended him on the cross ten feet in the air. And even as they drove the nails and raised him up, he prayed, just as he told those that had followed him to pray, that those who were in the act of killing him, those who were in the act of mocking him and spitting on him in that moment, not to be sent to hell, but to be forgiven. He hung on the cross for three hours when a thick darkness covered the sun. 
Every sin in all of history weighing upon his fragile form. The bloody murders, the sexual depravity, the biting curses, the regret and guilt that we all experience, the ever-rebellious act that humanity has played out, replayed in his mind's eye. And none of them had been committed by him. After spending a lifetime pushing away sin, here at the end, all sin was poured out fully on him. Isaiah 53.12 says that he bore the sins of many. You see, God takes our misery and our suffering so seriously that he is willing to take it all on himself. The Bible says that Jesus came on a rescue mission. He paid for our sins and the death we deserve to end the evil and suffering in our lives without ending us. The cross reminds us that Christ is Emmanuel. He is God with us, even through the worst of our sufferings. Matthew 27, 50 says that after he hung on the cross for three hours and after he had taken on all this pain and all the sins that come upon him, he cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. He died that day. He died for me, for you, for all of us. He willingly died so that we may have life. And we know that to be true because of what happens this next part of the story that we're celebrating here this morning. So if you have a Bible handy, great. If you have your phone or a tablet, if you're here streaming on Facebook Live this morning, look up Matthew 27, 57 through 61. Miss Dawn's going to post it, I know. She's going to put a link on there if you're visiting us online. Where the word says, when it was evening, so after all this had come to pass, when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who also was a disciple of Jesus. And he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate ordered it to be given to him. And Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen shroud, and laid it in his own new tomb, and what he, and what he had, which he had cut in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb, and he went away. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were there sitting opposite the tomb, watching all this happen. You see, Jesus' death at that moment, that night, was devastating to those that had followed him. For his followers, his death was the death of everything they had hoped and dreamed. In their minds, the promises they had with Jesus were now lying in a tomb. There was nothing left to do but to honor his life by taking care of his body in death which is why the two women were there that morning, that, that night. Now, that's an understandable response. I think we can put our, our, ourselves in their position, right? You followed a man for three years, and he gives you everything, and you think, man, this has got to be the one we're looking for. This has got to be the king that we celebrated coming in. And Eddie's dead, and he's buried in a grave. Now what are we going to do? Because we know that there are two things that are certain in this life, right? Death and taxes, right? Death is inevitable. Taxes are inevitable too, but death is definitely inevitable. One way or the other is going to come for you. That's a topic that many of us feel uneasy about. Maybe you spend our whole lives avoiding. Maybe have an inborn fear of it. Like, wow, we don't want to have to go through that. We don't like going to a funeral. We don't even like the thought of somebody dying. And we fear that because it's mysterious and unknown, right? It's an enemy that you have to face alone, that you can have all the friends and family you want around you when you die, but on the end, you're alone. It's something that separates us from those that we love. But the Sunday after Jesus' death, everything changed. 
everything changed. Luke 24, 1 through 6 says, But on the first day of the week, that's today, at early dawn they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. That was the two women that had been there. And they found the stone rolled away. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Now, Mary, who is a woman who was healed by Christ earlier, she was one of the ones staying there. She stayed at the tomb weeping even after the men said he was risen because she didn't understand what exactly that meant. Because I think if someone we knew had got up from the grave, we'd be like, uh... I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think maybe somebody just took him because I'm pretty sure he didn't get up, right? So they're a little bit perplexed. So Mary was standing there. She was crying, not quite understanding what happened. And in that moment, Jesus appeared to her and comforted her. After seeing him, she ran to tell the disciples, hey, I've seen God, I've seen our Lord, and he is here, he is risen, like the angel said in Luke 24, 36 through 40. It says that as they were talking about these things, me and the disciples... As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. They thought they saw a ghost. Again, another very reasonable thought, right? And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet to prove that he was not just a ghost, to prove that he was who he said he was, the man that had died on the cross just three days before. Here we have an eyewitness account of Jesus risen, not as a ghost, not as a figment of a person's imagination, but as flesh and bones that could be touched and felt and hugged. Tim Keller famous writer and author says that if there had been only an empty tomb and no sightings, no one would have concluded it was a resurrection. They would have assumed that the body had been stolen. Yet if there had only been eyewitnesses of Jesus and no empty tomb, no one would have concluded it was a resurrection because people always talk about seeing their dead friends and relatives all the time, right, after that happens. Only if the two factors were true together would anyone have concluded that Jesus was actually raised from the dead. You see, the resurrection is more than simply coming back to life, right? We talk about spring. We think about the grass coming back that we're going to have to start dealing with soon. We talk about the flowers that are in bloom, and they're beautiful, and it's gorgeous, and the trees are going to start popping out, and the green mountains will actually be green again after so many months of, of, of lying bare. But they're not coming back to life. They're dormant, right? They weren't dead. They're just dormant. Here we have Jesus actually physically dead, cold, dead, buried, gone, and God raised him up again to new life. Never again to be put into a grave. Remade for eternity. He's the first fruits, the word says. Humanity 2.0, so to speak. He's a signpost pointing towards the future, a future that's not simply a consolation for a life we've never had, but it's a restoration of the life we've always wanted. Everything sad is going to come untrue. Even those things that seemed broken and lost and had no purpose, he's going to remake to be even better than before. That's the hope and the promise of Jesus' resurrection. That first resurrection Sunday changed everything. Not simply because what was dead was now living again, but because it proved that Jesus was who he said he was and that his death on the cross was not in vain. He is God in flesh, sent in love to free us from the pain of sin and death 
and make straight the way back home to our Heavenly Father. To live forever in peace, in freedom, in purpose, and in joy. And all who place their faith, hope, and trust in Him will never be put to shame. His resurrection is our resurrection. It's the turning back of the pain of the vain struggles, the long dark nights, the midnight cries, the tortured wondering if you're good enough, the battles with doubt and depression and oppression, the lingering fear and uncertainty of death, all of it gone in that historical fact, in his spiritual resurrection here this morning in your life as well. First Corinthians 15, Paul told the church to remind them, he said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, when the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of victory, excuse me, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast be immovable, be always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. For believers, this morning is the time to take stock of who we are in Jesus. It's the time to renew our hope in the resurrection of Christ and the freedom that we have in Him. Let us be steadfast. Let us be immovable, especially in the face of the uncertainty and the death that is around us right now. Let us be steadfast, knowing that our hope is not in vain, but the victory of Jesus this morning. That's it. That's it. That's what we're here for. Now, for seekers this morning, this church is for you. Thank you for spending some of your morning with us. Now, I know, if you're as skeptical as I am, that as good as the resurrection sounds, I know there are a lot of people who struggle with it. It sounds too far-fetched. There has to be other explanations. I get it. What I would ask of you this morning, though, is to keep an open mind. Examine the evidence before you just simply dismiss it. If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. Simply continue to live the way you always have. If Jesus rose again, then everything he taught before and after his death is true and requires us to reorient our lives in a completely new direction. It also means we don't have to be afraid of anything. Not the temporary pains of this life, not the sharp tongues and hateful words of our enemies, not COVID-19, not anything. If you're ready and willing to accept that Jesus rose again, he is ready and willing to take you into a new adventure of life, love, joy, and peace. And it starts by simply responding to Him in prayer. So I'm going to ask that all of you here this morning, with me, with us, physically gathered today, all of us on live streaming today on Facebook, wherever you're joining us at, let's take a moment to pray, to celebrate, but also to respond to the resurrecting life of Jesus this morning. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Jesus, that you did rise again. That it is not just a vain hope that we carry in us, Lord, just this this pretend thing that seems to be imaginary that that we just think we have an understanding of. It is a real historical fact, God, but that has spiritual and eternal implications. 
that God, that we don't have to, to wonder if you rose again, that we can know for sure that you did it, Jesus. And we know that for sure that as you have done it, God, you promised that those who believe in you, that your resurrection is our resurrection this morning, Jesus. That our life can be changed now and is changed for eternity, knowing that when we lie down and breathe our last breath, that we will rise again in you, Jesus, because of the work you have done, not because of what we have done. So God, I praise you for this resurrection Sunday that we can look in hope and in certain future that, God, we know that we are here. God, that we know that our lives have meaning and purpose in you and that we know that death is not the end. It is an enemy that is conquered and that we can move forward in life in you, Jesus. God, we praise you for that. God, we lift you up for that. God, you are the only eternal God, Lord, who can do those things. We Thank you, Jesus, for that this morning. I pray that we live that out each and every day, not just Resurrection Sunday, but each day of our lives, knowing that we don't have to fear death that we can walk through it in love and in life and give it out to others around us. Now, if you're here this morning, maybe you're joining us online and you've never made that decision to follow Christ before. And you've heard the call this morning and you know that He is really ready and willing to take you on this new adventure, that His death was not in vain. It was for you this morning, just as it was for all of us who have already made that decision. And the way you would get that new life is by simply calling out to Him, by saying words like this, saying, Lord, I am sorry for trying to do this on my own. I'm sorry for trying to earn my way into a better life when you're offering it freely right here, right now. Please forgive me for doing everything I can to avoid you or to avoid that truth. But this morning, I know that it is true. This morning, I know that it is unavoidable. God, I want to follow you into resurrection life. I want to be certain And have a hope that is unbreakable. Lord, help me in my unbelief. And help me to follow you this morning. If that's you this morning and you made that decision for the very first time, if you're here, come see me after. We'll stay six feet apart. We'll work it out. But if you're online this morning, find someone who's a believer in your life. I'm sure you know one. Find someone who's a believer in your life and connect with them this week. Also, email the church at faithchurchvt at gmail.com. Tell me you made that decision this morning. We want to hear from you. We want to walk that journey with you, especially if you're here in Pownal or Tri-State area. We want to be partners, brothers and sisters with you to help you walk this journey that's ahead. So if you're doing that this morning, please get a hold of someone. Contact us. We're here for you. We want to walk that with you. Thank you so much for doing that. As we wrap up, Lord, help us to be people who carry that and give out that hope this week. Let us not hold it. Let us shine it bright as the bright sun this morning, God. Let your light shine through us to others this week, Jesus. Let us be an example of resurrection life in their lives. We pray in your name. Amen and amen. All right. So thank you this morning, church. Good job, everybody coming out. Thank you for joining us online. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome.